Durant. Oh! A jawbreaker! Curry with a drive, blocked by Jackson. Bain, step back three. Bingo! Hello, everybody. My name is Xavier Dotson, and I'm your host today of the Core Four Podcast. I'm here with my co-hosts of Matthew Gill and David Buckler, and we're in for a thrilling episode. We're picking up from last week. The Grizzlies won one and lost one in the series matched up against the Lakers. That game Saturday night was not so pretty at the beginning, but at the same time, the Grizzlies did fight, fight back, but they ended up taking the L. And then last Wednesday, they played it here at the Forum, and they won that without Ja Morant. Um, today, they played a, a big game five. It's pivotal. Dave, are you feeling a sense of panic right now as being a Grizzlies fan? Yeah, game four tonight. Yeah, you're not going to the game, right? Well, <laughs> I yeah, I don't have – I don't have – uh, sadly, I don't have a plane ticket to get on, on, on the plane after this episode to fly out there to L.A., <laughs> yeah, I'm a bit superstitious. So uh, as much as I like you, you know, we <laughs> have not been our good luck charm at the games yet. But I don't know, guys. I mean, trying to make light of the situation, I I, I feel like this is uh, going to be a real character test tonight in game four versus the Lakers because nothing looked or sounded or felt right about game three. So I'm kind of curious to hear what you guys thought about that performance. Yeah, um, I mean – that, that the, the beginning of the game three, my bad. I did say game four. I was jumping the gun a, a little bit too far. But yeah, that game at the beginning of the game three, um, the Grizzlies, the first quarter score, we saw saw it 35 to 9. There's no way that you actually can score nine points in a game and expect to to, to come back and win. Although the Grizzlies did fight, you know, John Moran had a miraculous game for his comeback game. Matt, does that give you a little hope that uh, that the Grizzlies at least fall and just seeing John Morant take over that game? Is that giving you hope for this game tonight? Uh, no, not really. And I would like to say, like, you would think that like the three of us with John and Jaron could score more than nine points in a quarter, <laughs> get out of their way and let them do their thing. But uh, look, the thing that I came away from it with was like it was a great like showcase of his abilities. Uh, and his talent to just keep going to the rack like that. Obviously, he hit some threes as well, went six for ten from deep in the game. Like, that, that's really great and all that. But I couldn't help but, like, feel that that performance was, you know, it was obviously a waste because they weren't getting back in that game. But it also just didn't seem like even if they had been within a ten-point margin going into the fourth quarter like it still felt like losing basketball obviously like he scored all those points in a row you know if you if you score 20 straight like that's something to be applauded and it was awesome but it just didn't feel like winning basketball especially because how bad they were on the defensive end I felt I mean obviously the game was out of hand at that point and it was you know everybody was scoring but like it just it it, it made me think about like you know a guy I talked about last week Donovan Mitchell who we've seen put up 40-point bombs a couple times in the playoffs, and his teams are always home in May, you know, watching from the couch. So, like, I, it was awesome. It was a really fun, like, performance if you love individual, like, performances like that and, and you know, record-setting nights. But, like, even if, it was a, even if it was a close game, I just didn't feel like that performance was going to win them a basketball game in the playoffs. Uh, yeah, so and, no. and where was that in the first quarter? So, that, that was my thing. Like, yeah, he was great, and he had all these points, everything like that. But, but where's the sense of the moment from the guy who's supposed to be our superstar? Now, maybe it's because he was coming back from the hand injury and he wasn't confident yet in his handle and, you know, was trying to ease into the game. But when that game's slipping away in the first quarter, that's when we need the aggressive John Moran. That's when we need him to take over the game. Not in the fourth quarter when the Lakers are in cruise control at that point. And I think it goes – I think it – one sec, Xavier. I, I was just going to say, I think it's part of, like, everybody is saying after they win that game without him that they're, like, better without him. You know what I mean? And I think that he maybe was trying to, like, feel out, you know, a soft kind of comeback, wasn't trying to make himself, like, you know, o over – you know, t taking the, the game over too much. He wanted to fit, fit back in seamlessly, and, and that was kind of what happened. And – and they got blown out for it because he is the best player and you have to have him dominate the game. And he just wasn't really, you know, acclimated at that point. And, you know, at, in the fourth quarter, it was, it, you know, a blowout already. It's garbage time. So whatever. Go ahead, Xavier. 
as well, I just want to throw in there, like, as Taylor Jenkins being the coach, there's no way that you cannot prepare for that. You know that the Lakers were going to make a statement. Uh, I mean, they they lost a game two. And then, of course, with the Dylan Brooks comments, you know they wanted to put a, a bigger emphasis on wanting to embarrass the Grizzlies. So you have to come up with a better game plan and strategize, okay, like, what can we do? And there's no way that you cannot score above double digits in the first quarter in a playoffs game because I really feel like I'm glad that they did not give up. If they literally score, put 15 on the board, it could be a different ball game. We lose by five, and and, and momentum could have swung our way because I felt like they weren't chipping the, uh, the lead, but the, the hole that they dug themselves in was just too deep to, to get out of. But a lot is going to be on Taylor Jenkins. I felt like he had an advantage this this series matched up against a rookie coach at Darvin Ham, but it seemed like Darvin Ham been playing his cards right better than Taylor Jenkins has. Yeah, I got some thoughts later on on Taylor Jenkins. I think we give him a free pass because he's a nice guy and the Grizzlies have had a couple good seasons, but there were a couple times in that first quarter I was yelling at the TV, why is Brooks still in the game? I mean, and it's some of the lineups he threw out there. Like, this is not, you know, this is not playing the, uh, you know, the <laughs> it's not playing the Charlotte Hornets in November. Like, you know, we had Conchar out there and Aldama and Roddy. And I know we got injuries and everything. But, like, when the game was slipping away, John Jaron were on the bench. And Jaron was was awful. You know, it was a good reminder, guys, in that first half with zero points and three fouls. It's just a good reminder that the best players on the Memphis Grizzlies are still kids. And the NBA championships are won by men. And that's why we'll get to the Dylan Brooks stuff a little bit later. You know, it's kind of embarrassing that he thinks like he's even in the same league that he can verbally go at LeBron James. I mean, just kind of like, it's embarrassing for him. It's embarrassing, embarrassing for us. It's embarrassing for the city. It's like, like no self-awareness. And, and did you see the look in LeBron's eye before the game? Like we, th- we, we were completely overmatched from the opening tip. It was six, nothing before I sat down. Yeah, I, I guess we can go ahead and hop into our first segment in which we're going to do an embrace debate about Dylan Brooks. I mean, if you have been living under a rock in the basketball world, Dylan Brooks has been all over the basketball news. Um, after the Grizzlies won game two, he made comments after the game about LeBron James, calling him old and that he enjoys poking the bear with LeBron, wishing that he played him back in his prime, so-called prime against Miami in his Cleveland days. And then here comes game three. When we match up against game three, the, like I said earlier, the, the Grizzlies – in the first quarter, go down 35 to nine. And within 15 seconds of the second half, Dylan Brooks gets himself ejected with a, so, uh, I guess you can go ahead and look at, at the video video yourself and debate if it was intentional low blow or was not an intentional low blow, but he gets ejected in the 15 seconds within the second half. And then after he has he refuses to talk to the media and the day after that he finally talks to the media and blames that the media and the fans are is the reason why he falls under the persona of being Dylan the villain now Matt we've been dealing with Dylan Brooks what is this I think this is going on to his seventh year but behind the John Morant era and everybody else in which he has had a lot more attention it's going on his fourth year a lot of fans are really tired of Dylan Brooks. Are you on the way to, to are you on the way as a lot of fans saying that we should move on to Dylan Brooks after this offseason? I think that I've been kind of ringing that bell for a long time, especially like once we got to the trade deadline, like I thought he had to be in whatever deal was going to be made. Uh he obviously wasn't in the Canard deal, and that's fine. Uh and I'm actually I'm actually kind of turning a corner on Dylan Brooks. I love everything that he's done. The one mistake he made was then trying to say that it's the media's fault that he's uh talked about this way. Like it's definitely his fault. But other than that, like I like the fact that he was calling out LeBron and, and and yes, it takes like an irrational confidence in yourself to like say those things and, and as Dave said, think that you're on the same level, but I don't know that he necessarily thinks that maybe, but I, I think more he was just trying to play some head games, uh, given give, given the fact that like his team is obviously out outmanned in this series and outgunned and, and dealing with a ton of injuries. Like he's looking for every little edge and I'm fine with that. Uh, you know, we might talk about some other moves uh, in the offseason later on, but like if I'm talking about it right now and just look, focusing on the Dylan Brooks part of it, like, 
if it's not one of the tier one wings of, and I would, in my opinion, there's three guys they should target in that in that first tier this summer, and it should be Jimmy Butler, Mikael Bridges, um, and who's and OG Ananobi again, which are kind of the same cast of characters that we looked at during the trade deadline, right? Anybody that's not in that first tier, I kind of would just rather have Dylan. Honestly, he has an edge to him that I think that this team needs. He's not the defensive leader. Like, clearly, that's Jaron. He won Defensive Player of the Year. But he is the, uh, you know, he, he like, brings the grit and, and the nastiness to this team that I think is necessary. He still has to figure out, like, how to be uh, a, a, not a minus on the floor on the offensive end. But if it's not going to be a Tier 1 guy, like, if we're just going to get rid of Dylan to get TJ Warren, then I'd rather have Dylan. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think he brings more value than that. And uh, I, I'm totally fine with all the antics. He's not going to get the the game suspension. I don't think it was intentional at all, the the low blow to LeBron. Like, he clearly – part of being a good defensive player in the NBA, 90% of it, in my opinion, is is having to anticipate, anticipate what the offensive player is going to do, not react. Like, if you're just reacting all the time, guys like LeBron James are blowing by you every single time. You've got to be able to anticipate stuff. He thought LeBron was going to do a crossover. He went between his legs and he reached and he got him in the, in the, you know, in the low, in the low position. And, and that's, you don't love to see it. And he's kind of one of those guys where it seems like those things happen a lot too, but I don't think this one in particular was necessarily uh, on purpose. So uh, those were all my thoughts on it. I'm kind of in on Dylan, the villain now more than ever. So Matt is more on the optimistic side of with Dylan. Dave, I know you talked about him earlier saying he, that it was sort of an embarrassment of him talking about LeBron James and then we come out and get whooped in that first first quarter in game three. Um, what are your thoughts that you have about Dylan? Are you ready to move on from him or should we just go ahead? I mean, this is his contract year and you look at his stats right now in the playoffs. He's averaging 11 point. What is it? Yeah. 11.3 points per game. Um, he's not even registered a steal. Well, a point three steals. He hasn't registered a block. Uh, the stats not looking pretty good for a person that wants to make another contract this upcoming offseason. So, Dave, what are your thoughts and feelings about Dylan Brooks at the moment? Yeah, I think Matt and I have a little bit of a difference of opinion here. And uh, I like guys to play hard. You know, I understand that. Uh, but, you know, you gave so much bulletin board material not just to LeBron James, but to that entire organization. And what do you think that the feeling was like in that Lakers locker room before the game? LeBron doesn't have to walk around and pump everybody up. They just saw him. I mean, you see, you'd seen and there were, we had no chance Saturday night. The crowd was crazy. The, the, the Lakers were ready to play right from the beginning. They destroyed us in the first quarter. And the only reason the score wasn't as bad is because they were laughing at us by the end. That game was never in doubt. And, and here's the thing. My, my number one point about the whole Dylan Brooks experience is this is not boxing one-on-one -on -one or tennis one-on-one. -on -one. He sort of riled up the entire group of Los Angeles Lakers. And I don't feel like some of Dylan's teammates were ready for what the Lakers had for him. I thought the entire, look, did you see how hard Anthony Davis was playing? I mean, Reeves was fantastic. It's not just the impact on LeBron. It's the impact on the organization. And I feel like, you know, we maybe they would have even overlooked the Grizzlies a little bit in the first round. We go in there and we kind of steal one. Now they're like laser focused on putting us away. The, the national media is laughing at us. It, it, you know, guys, it's not, you know, it's not, fun, it's not fun to root for a team that talks all the time about wanting to smoke and then embarrasses itself. And, and so let's, let's hold this thought for a second. If you look at the 2022-2023 season, what is our signature moment? What are you going to remember where we were like, wow, this Grizzly team looks like a world champion because we went 51 and 31. And I went back and looked at all the games, broke it down, chopped it up. We had like two good road wins all year. And we had like five good home wins, maybe six. Every other game, like there's so much garbage in the NBA. We talked about this throughout the course of the season. Like, I feel like who's playing like the seven seed in this series and who's playing like the two seed and the Lakers just to give them extra motivation and to give the best player arguably ever outside maybe Jordan just just a silly basketball you don't win championships with this and so the short point on Dylan Brooks is enough of this it's just enough 
He doesn't bring enough basketball to the game, in my opinion, to justify the antics. He's like a bad pro wrestler. Now, you know, and I like pro wrestling, as you guys know. But this is, you know, <laughs> I don't want to get, I mean, it's going to go in my rant later on. You know, there's a reason Vince McMahon trusted Rowdy Roddy Piper in the 80s because he could make sure he'd get a good match out of Hulk Hogan when they were building that company. And Piper was the best talker, but the product was good. When he got, you know, Dylan Brooks talks and yaps and yaps and yaps. It comes out and it was just terrible. And, and, and I thought he put a Xavier in a position as the team not to succeed. And that's where I think it's selfish. Oh, yeah. I mean, and then we see his comments. He blames the fans and the media for his basically persona and the way that he plays and whatnot as him being called as Dylan the villain. I don't feel like that's I don't feel that that that's the reason why you choose what type of basketball that you want to play in. At the end of the day, you're a grown man. We're not it's nobody that's forcing you to play at, at this way. And I understand though, like what Matt was saying, in which of you want to try to take an advantage of we're shorthanded. We don't have Steven Adams, we don't have Brandon Clark. Um, and then you look at the depth-wise, we are a little bit thin, we're trying to take an advantage, but at the end of the day. We know LeBron James is a top three NBA player of all time. You think those comments was going to like bother him any type of way? He's been to numerous championship runs. He's been through a lot of adversity himself. Those little comments right there was not going to do anything but get that team riled up. That really has, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. Personally, if before he like, said those comments, the Lakers still didn't necessarily scare me. And in a way, they still don't scare me. I really still feel like the Memphis can be, can get the the win this series. But at the same time, like it's those little things that Dylan does. It, it doesn't make sense. And then he has a big. It's as a lot of the national media says, like the Grizzlies like to talk the talk, I and mean, as soon as they do the talking and they get beat, they go back into their shell. That's what Dylan does. Every single time he talks. When we got whooped the, the, the Christmas game, Clay Thompson yapping at him. You look at those next 10 games, Dylan was basically non-existent. So that got me like sort of worried about tonight. We got Dylan. Dylan, he's not suspended. A lot of people really thought he was going to be suspended for this game tonight. He's not suspended for game four. So is it really like Taylor Jenkins got to come up with a strategy? Like, is it smart to go ahead and start Dylan tonight? Could you put somebody else in? We saw last night that Draymond Green came off the bench. Steve Kerr made that move and, and, and made Draymond Green come off the bench. Matt, do you feel comfortable seeing Dylan out there right now with a lot, of, lot on his plate and a lot on his mind right now? I think he's got to. Like, what's the other option? Put out a rookie in David Roddy or Luke Kennard who, like, doesn't really give you that much defensively either. Like, I think it's the only option. Uh, and I wonder, I don't I don't know if you guys saw this at all, but a lot of people on Twitter were pointing out the fact that, like, Dylan was doing all this talking, and whether it was his intent or not, it definitely took some of the focus off of Ja, which, like, if, if you know, if Dylan doesn't say anything and the story isn't Dylan versus LeBron, and Ja's missing that game after he hurts his hand, like, you could see the national media more turn on him and be like, all right, this is two years in a row – where he's kind of like been reckless, like the way that he goes to the rim and stuff like that. And now he can't finish another series. And, you know, the gun thing gets brought back up and all this stuff. He totally took the focus off of Ja. I don't know that that was what he was doing on purpose. Like, I, I don't I don't know if he thought of, of it in that kind of way, but it had that effect no matter what. And and I think that Dylan's OK being the fall guy. Like, I think he he can handle it. I don't know what the. I still don't know what he was talking about by saying it's the media and the fans that have painted this picture of him. That that makes no sense whatsoever. And it's a great point, Xavier. You just said it. Like that that's why everybody clowns these Grizzlies is because they they can dish it out, but they can't take it after a loss. Go ahead, Dan. But, but listen, Matt, so you you made a really interesting point there to me. And and, and I, I I had talked about this a little bit when we were watching the game on Saturday night that he did deflect some of the attention. It's sort of like he became the heat magnet, right, for the Grizzlies going into that game. And I, and I sort of respect that, and there's value to that. But then you can't come out and play like shit during the game and and really hurt the team on the scoreboard. I get all the other stuff. Like, yeah, we weren't talking as much about Jai, which was good. You know, that's and, and 
then when the game starts, you can't go out there and play terrible basketball. No, yeah, he was really bad. <laughs> I'm, not, yeah. I'm not saying that he was the LeBron stopper and yeah. like scored a very efficient 18 points or anything like that. I'm with you. He didn't back it up um, by like standing by his comments and he didn't back it up with his play on the floor. And that's why it looks bad to me. I, I'm with you. Um, but I mean, going into the, this game four, like they're going to need something from him. I don't know if it's going to be that he's going to have to, you know, put up 16 shots and, and make 12 of them, or if they need him to shoot four shots and make all four of them, you know, I don't know what they necessarily need from Dylan at this point, but he has to be out there because they're out of other options. That's a, that's the other thing is if we get out of this series and, 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 you know, we wake up Tuesday morning and it's three, one, and everybody wants to blame Dylan Brooks. It's not Dylan Brooks's fault, man. Like there were, there's too many injuries to overcome this Lakers team who has a ton of experience, who has cha- championship DNA, who has two guys who are two of the best, what, 10, 20 players in the league still, not even looking at them like in the history of basketball. Like they have, this is a really good Lakers team. They've been one of the best teams since the trade deadline. It's not Dylan Brooks's fault. And the other thing is we haven't, we've, we even have gotten sucked into only talking about Dylan now, and we haven't really talked about Jod. You know, obviously he had a good game, but Jaron stunk too, and like he should get banged up for that. Dave, you obviously mentioned that he wasn't any good either, and um, foul trouble and stuff like that. But like, I don't know. I I, don't, I think the the overreaction that like it, LeBron still didn't get forty. Like you know, like the the comments were the comments, and it clearly the Lakers used that as motivation. But that is, and Dylan Brooks's play is not the reason they're going to lose this series, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, I mean, I guess he still doesn't have LeBron respect. I mean, he still doesn't have <laughs> yeah. le- respect for LeBron James. Yeah. he didn't drop forty on his head. Didn't drop forty. Yeah, but I still feel like at the same time though, like the Dylan versus um, the Dylan versus LeBron matchup, I'm I'm still feeling that Dylan can't not guard LeBron James. He has not been the best perimeter defender. We look at it. Xavier Tillman has done a, a pretty great job at that at guarding oh, yeah. LeBron James, and he's just so versatile. Um, I really feel like he's been a, a huge sort of underrated savior this season for uh, the Grizzlies. Unbelievable how good he's been. <laughs> the Adams injury, it's crazy how how he has turned around like his entire career trajectory and like what we think of that guy. Xavier Tillman's been awesome. Yeah, and, and, and it's an interesting contrast in the Lakers and Grizzlies and how each team approached the deadline. Where, you know, the Grizzlies sort of stood pat. Now Luke Kennard's been nice. He's a nice player, but they didn't push all their chips in, right? Because we keep hearing about this championship windows in 2025. Whereas the Lakers were extremely aggressive at the deadline to, because they know with Davis and LeBron now, they have a team that could possibly win right now. I think it's been interesting how those teams approach the deadline differently. And, and I, I guess the thing that bothers me about that, Xavier, you went to game one, right, in the series? Yeah. Tickets were not cheap, you told us. Yeah, most certainly they weren't cheap. <laughs> right. So, so wait, if it's not our way, we don't discount tickets out our window. Why aren't tickets half price? Oh, because the management's still going to charge the LeBron Lakers tax and playoff tax on these tickets. You know, with, with what? The management style that we're not really pushing in for a championship now. We're waiting for two, three years. But they certainly charged you full price for those tickets. And that's where I think the fans sort of lose out on this. You mentioned just in general how expensive – it was to go to the game. It, I mean, oh, okay, but are we trying to win the championship or not? Yeah, I, I understand. Yeah, your frustration about that, and I mean, that really sort of leads us to our next segment, um, in which we're going to talk about the Grizzlies' early off-season uh, decisions. Okay, jumping into our next segment, we're going to talk about. We're going to do a little early off-season talking for the Grizzlies. Um, we're going to look ahead, start at, at the Grizzlies offseason. Um, we discussed about Dylan um, in our past segment and his possible future. But, Dave, I know you talked about in past episodes about the Grizzlies putting all their chips in the middle and getting a, a, a dynamic wing that really fits this Grizzlies culture. Do you have somebody in mind for that, or do you feel like that the Grizzlies should go ahead and look into the draft and draft somebody else? I made a couple notes here as I knew you were going to talk about offseason moves. I, I don't want more young kids on the team. I, I just think that's been a big problem with this season. 
and I, I I still like DeRozan in Chicago, that kind of player. And I would trade whatever it takes to get him outside of our three. And, and I, you know, a couple of notes here too, Xavier. I, I, I think, as I mentioned last week, I think Xavier Tillman's our starting center next year. I think that that big big Steve-O is going to be off the team, it's too expensive, and didn't play for four months this year. And I just think that, uh, you know, we can't pay everybody. And, and Bain's going to want his extension. And, you know, we have a lot of these young kids are going to start wanting to get paid. Uh, we pay Tyus a lot of money as a backup. So the financial issues with a small market team could become a problem. I think uh, Dylan either walks or he's a sign in trade. I don't think there's a chance he's on the roster at the end of October. Uh, I, I think we got to find out what we have in Zaire Williams, uh, who, who I keep hearing, no, we can't trade him. We can't trade him. He's been really a head scratcher this year. And, and then I think the biggest thing in the offseason, I mentioned it last week, a little bit with getting job right, but getting the team right. The team's got to grow up. And I think it's 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 got to start sort of all the way at the top, uh, all the way down through the organization. That there needs to be a bit more maturity and professionalism uh, to take the next step. They're a good basketball team. They're not a championship basketball team. And the fine details, I believe, Xavier, are, are are what we're missing right now. I'm not talking about like they can't set screens or hit shots or make good passes. You know what I mean? Those steals and blocks. It's a bit like how the, the Tim Duncan Spurs carried themselves and how they approached the playoffs, you know, and, and I think we need a little bit of that uh, to get to the next level. That's a big part of the offseason. So I see that Dave mentioned about maturity and, and growth for the Grizzlies. A lot of people feel like the Grizzlies still does not have that veteran in that locker room with the presence. Um, I look at other guys that's coming out, that's coming into that contract here. You look at Draymond Green of an older guy, Mike Conley, do you think, Matt, do you think that the Grizzlies should go after those vets, especially somebody like Mike Conley, who's played with Memphis? He has connections here in Memphis. You think that he will be willing to be like a backup point guard and mentor these guys to be that presence in the locker room that a lot of people feel like that the Grizzlies actually need? Yeah, I think Mike definitely would be like a perfect guy to do that with. It has to be somebody that knows how to like walk the line of the leadership aspect, but knowing you're not the leader, you know what I mean? Like, like Ja and Jaron and, and Bain are clearly the three best players and you have to let them be the leaders of the team, but you also like have to be able to mentor guys. And like, those are two different things in my opinion, um, if that makes any sense at all. So like, yeah, I, I look at some of those guys who are older and, and could help it out, but this free agent class is not great, honestly. And there's not a ton of guys that like really stick out to me as guys that the, the Grizzlies really should pursue in free agency. Like once you get past like the top couple guys, it's, it's really, really thin this year. Um, so, you know, I mentioned three guys that I would like for him to go out after the wing. Another guy, man, Norm Powell, 42 points the other night. That's another guy I like. Let's let's keep doing business with the Clippers, man. Let's just keep getting the wings from the Clippers. Uh, that's a guy that I think could help him out a whole lot. Uh, I think the wing position is definitely something that, if it's not going to be Dylan, has to be addressed, obviously. And I want to go back to what Dave was saying, man. Like, we thought Dave was insane for saying Xavier Tillman was going to be the starting center. And now, after the way he's played, it looks very, very possible. Not only that – I, I'm kind of I'm kind of having a conspiracy theory that they shut down Adams because his trade value was the highest it had ever been coming into the playoffs, really, or or whenever he got hurt. This is the, his best season as a Grizzly for sure, and you could make the argument it's the best season of his career. And the last time we saw Stephen Adams play really bad basketball was last playoffs. And you look at who they would have matched up this year; like the the options were like playing, uh, you know, obviously the Lakers. Um, or the Warriors or the Timberwolves again, like those were kind of the teams that were shuffling around that they were going to have to play in this first round series. And there's some matchups in there that Steven Adams could have really got exposed. Yep. So I think part of it is the injury management of it. And I think also they looked at the long term and they were like, if we let him out there, he could one re-injure himself, which tanks his trade value, or he could look terrible uh, trying to defend these pick and rolls with some of these really other skilled bigs and tank his trade value that way. So I think, I'm a little bit of a conspiracy theorist on it, but I, I, I think that that – because we keep seeing these pictures. He's jacking up triples at, at the damn practices. Why, why is he out there playing, you know? And, and I, think, uh, I think that Steven Adams is gone next year for sure. I think he, he is gone. And I still contend that Tyus Jones is an awesome trade piece. 
I don't want to see him leave, but like if that is the key to getting a Jimmy Butler or I mean, the the Nets have a million wings and they have nobody to bring the ball up the floor. A Tyus Jones trade that gets you, you know, a Tyus Jones and some picks and whatever else they need to get back Mikel Bridges. I'm absolutely all in on. Yeah, uh, I really feel like going into next season, there's, there's going to be a, a big roster overhaul for the Grizzlies. It's not going to be anything like how it is this year. Um, it's funny that you mentioned like doing business with the Clippers. I really feel like the Clippers just need to go ahead and blow it up with between Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Kawhi Leonard is not capable of playing basketball basically at all at any, in any type of level. He, here they go. They low managed the man the entire season and for the playoffs. And then here he is. He's not capable of playing two games, two or plus games in the playoffs. So I'm looking at those wings of Paul George or Kawhi Leonard. You have a lot of younger guys here in Memphis. You have the three stars of Desmond Bain, John Morant, and Jaron Jackson Jr. that are capable of playing like those long magnitude minutes. You just really need Kawhi and Paul George to be available for, you know, the big games in the regular season. And then, of course, during the playoffs. I'll look and see, okay, maybe we can – I know that's going to be a bigger trade in a, in a way, but – Man, I would love, absolutely love having Paul George on a Grizzlies uniform. I feel like in a case that most likely will not happen. But at the same time, I did not, not imagine for Paul George to play for OKC. or I didn't imagine Paul George playing for the Clippers as well. So, I know Kleiman, he, he most certainly has something up his nose going into this offseason. He has a lot of <laughs> something up his nose. I mean, well, he got he got he got some cards that he want to play this offseason. So uh, I mean, we do know like it's it's the wing position is very questionable right now because Dylan Brooks. I think everybody fan wise is tired of the saga with Dylan Brooks, and then as well you mentioned was Zaire. He's a head scratcher because I, they mentioned that Zaire was going to be a project. And typically with projects, that takes at least two to three years given to him. And he has had a sophomore slump. But as what you said, they their window opportunity of winning is right now, especially when you have a guy like John Morant that you know has that big market, big market appeal. It's, it's not like the most likely the Memphis is the most appealing place in the whole wide world. Um, we were it's 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 interesting to see what, what this offseason is gonna take us. Yeah, exactly right. You're exactly right because things change quickly. You know, we always think, "Oh, Ja loves Memphis." Oh, well, I mean, you know, we've had a tough year. That relationship's been a little difficult this past year with some of the the, the, the police report stuff and and the kid at the basketball game in his house and things. You know, it, it things happen quickly, and you know, he and his people might say maybe a fresh start somewhere else. It's not outside the realm of possibility, but I do want to uh, go back. Um, a little bit to like Dylan, you can't convince me it's coincidence. He hasn't signed an extension throughout the season. Kleinman takes care of his people. We signed Adams, the extension Jones, the extension, right? Even Brandon Clark, he got jaw wrapping. He, he's pretty aggressive. I think as a basketball president, taking care of financially of the individuals on his team that he sees as part of the future. And I just, I, I know, well, we can't offer him as much as we can offer him after the season. I just don't believe it. I think they're, I think they're going to move them uh, in a sign-in trade at the end or something. There's a reason why they haven't come out publicly and said this is a part of our core for the next four years, I believe. Yeah, and it, you, you, it's interesting you say that. I saw on Twitter earlier that basically said that the Grizzlies tried to move them during the trade deadline. And, you know, Kleiman basically said after the trade deadline, like those rumors weren't true. But now it's funny that after, you know, the the – the terrible Dylan Brooks game that he had in game three, all of that is starting to come out. Everybody's, I think everybody just felt like that Dylan's time is up here in Memphis. Um, and this offseason, it's, it's, it's going to be a different look Grizzlies team. I really feel like that. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, I think it's definitely run its course. Like, I was defending Dylan in the last segment. Like, I still think he's not going to be on the team next year by any means. Um let me let me mention one other clipper real quick. And if 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 my dream comes true that we do trade Tyus, uh Russell Westbrook's looked pretty good. I wouldn't mind that guy coming off the bench. I'm just saying, I've told you guys before, he was my favorite non-grizzly before Jokic. 
and I loved him every time, you know, all those years in OKC. Um, I wouldn't mind having a guy like that. That's a guy who can, who is a leader and, and can bring the edge that I think you lose with Dylan Brooks. The problem is he is kind of the opposite of what I'm talking about. Like he's going to walk in and think he's the best player immediately and be like, why is John Morant starting over me? I'm, I'm Brody. I'm him. I should be starting. bro. And that's, that kind of worries me, but uh, we should shout out Russell Westbrook. He's looked really good as like the only guy left for the Clippers. Yeah. He's the one man show right now. And uh, and it's crazy. You know, the Lakers got rid of him basically saying that he does not provide anything, but, I mean, we look at it, he's really keeping keeping sort of the Clippers a little bit afloat, but at the same time, you know, they just still like the star power. Yeah, and speaking of the Clippers, uh, I'd like to get Bones Highland on the phone right now and ask him how he enjoys playing for the Clippers when he could be on the Denver Nuggets, who have a pretty good chance of winning a ring this year. And he's been terrible for the Clippers lately and a team that's going to get knocked out in five games. But, you know, I have no sympathy for him. He could have been on a really, really good Denver team and uh, now, now he's pretty much inconsequential in, in Los Angeles. Okay. Following to our next segment, we're going to talk a little bit about what's going on around the playoffs and the league. Um, if you've pay, been paying attention to the, this playoffs, it's been an open around. It's been a lot of, a lot of injuries. And the news came out today that De'Aaron Fox is doubtful for game Five, due to the fact that he has a fractured hand. We look at other stars that's been injured. We have Giannis Antetokounmpo. You've had Tyler Hero. Unfortunately, Victor Oladipo has had another injury star uh, as well. We've had other stars of John Moran, of course. And then as well, we've also have had Joel Embiid that possibly could be out for a long extended period of time. We look at injuries as a part of the game in the NBA, of course. But during the playoffs, we, we're wishing that these guys and teams are playing at, at their health, at their healthiest and at their best. Um, Dave, is there any surprises of like guys of being out at this early in the playoffs? Or are you are you missing? Are you feeling any doubt now that we're gonna be missing out on a lot of good matchups? Or is it still like you feel like this is a part of the game and we should have been expected expected this? Unfortunately, Xavier, it's been a part of the season. I felt like this whole season was defined by who's playing and who's not across all these teams in the league. And it's really a shame because it looked like going into the postseason, some of them had gotten the roster sort of settled down a little bit. Right. And the one, you know, the one that really made me scratch my head was all of a sudden Kawhi Leonard's got a sore knee. It, it, they they looked pretty formidable in those first two games. We talked about Westbrook and they were going to push the Suns, and all of a sudden now he's out games three and four. They're going to they're going to be wrapped up here soon. Kind of a shame for the Clippers. They can't get any luck in their history. And the Joel Embiid, that it's nice they have a week to rest him before they have to play. And the one though that really really is frustrating is the De'Aaron Fox. I mean, if we're, if we're stepping away from the Memphis Grizzlies, right, uh, with Clark and Adams and and, and Jaws dealing with his hand issue, but. The De'Aaron Fox one, if he can't go, is such a shame for the league because that's been a really, really fun series, I believe. And and the, the Kings, you know, again, a tortured history. Here they are with a chance to knock off the Warriors, their neighbors down the road, and, and now Fox has a fractured finger. I believe it's on a shooting hand, too, which is it which is, is, yeah, which it is. problematic, right? Yeah. And, and it, it's unfortunate because, you know, Fox, he's been basically my favorite player to watch this whole entire season. He won the inaugural, was a clutch player of the year award this year. And so, man, just watching Fox not being able to go, possibly not being able to go, it, it really it hurts me. But, Matt, um, you know, Dave mentioned about the Kawhi injury. And this isn't like the first time it's happened before. You remember, was it back? Was that back in the bubble that he tore his meniscus? And it was just sort of was and and like it, he played the game, but he tore his meniscus, and it, it was just like he was listed doubtful. It's like random. It, it it feels like a lot of players now is stuck. If okay, are they really really risking the their jeopardy of playing long term ball? Uh, 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 are they really risking the, uh, their health to play for a championship or are they concerned about their long-term health now? Like, are you feeling that way? I mean, Kawhi has always told us that it's about his long-term health. Like this is not new for him by any means. He trusts his own doctors. He does his own thing. 
And he doesn't really tell anybody, whether it's media or people who are affiliated with his own team, what his plans are or how he's feeling. And then he just doesn't play. And you know what? When he does play, he averages 30 points a game, eight rebounds and a couple assists because he's a really, really good basketball player. So you always sign up to do that deal when you have a guy like that, especially a guy who's proven it over and over again in the playoffs when it matters most and was the best the best player on a title team uh, twice, actually, in two different locations. <laughs> Like Kawhi Leonard's awesome, and, and but yeah, he's told us this many times through his prior actions that that he's gonna put his own health first over competing and like pushing himself too far. And like I don't really fault him for that, honestly. If that's his prerogative, like good for him. I guess he's got two titles, he'll be all right. Uh, and we'll always remember him as a as an awesome dominant player through this like moment of history in this era. Uh, you know, like post LeBron being the best guy every year and, you know, going head to head with KD and in those conversations and stuff like that. But to me, the injury that sucks the most is is Giannis. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. we talked about Dave, you brought it up when Steven Adams got hurt. Like we think of Steven Adams as like Teflon, uh, never injured, just made a steal. You can't break that dude. Giannis is number two on that list of not one a with Steven Adams, just a, just an absolute freak. You think back to uh, their title run, like there was that knee injury where you thought he was done. It looked pretty bad, and he was just like, whatever, I'm just going to keep playing, I'm going to keep hooping, and I'm going to win finals MVP, and he was awesome uh, on that title run. And and it's shocking to me that, like, he could even get injured. He's just been such a consistent player. Uh, And and the polar opposite of of that is Embiid. I mean, it happens. It's happened over and over in these playoffs. And I'm torn on the whole injury debate because I realize that it hurts the product. You want all the best players playing. Um, but at the same time, like, this is a marathon league. It's 82 games, and you got to win 16 more to be the champion. And, like, durability, I think, should be rewarded in some cases. In some cases, it's pure luck. You just have injury luck on your side. But guys, like, like, like look at Boston. They have everybody – you know, they haven't really had major injuries this year. Robert Williams has been in and out of the lineup. Uh, Marcus Smart has been banged up a couple times. But, like, their main guys really keep playing. And Jalen Brown has a massive cut in his shooting hand, and he's still out there playing. And they should be rewarded for that. And, and you know, so I don't, I don't have – you know, I don't, I don't cry for Embiid if he misses the Boston series. Like, Boston's dealt, dealt with their own issues on and off the floor. So, like – you should be rewarded in some ways for withstanding it, but I also want to see Kawhi and KD go at it for seven games. So I'm kind of torn on the whole injury thing. But the Steven Adams thing is a real head-scratcher, too. A sprained knee in January? It just doesn't add up. For the kind of basketball that he plays, where all he has to do is bang around down there. Again, it's not like asking Jordan to come back and dunk from the free-throw line. It's just odd. I've watched basketball a long time, guys. Sprained knees, you know, two weeks later, you're – you know, MB, that's what he has right now for the Sixers, right? And, and he's hoping to play at least game two of this series. It's that's just odd to me that Adams isn't – like, they're not even saying, well, if the Grizzlies go to the Western Finals, he's kind of – it's like he's gone for the year with a sprained knee. That's I, where I, so I will say one last thing uh, for in this segment for me is that, man, there's some teams dreaming now. You know, and this is why you push your chips in to try to win a championship. You're the New York Knicks, and you're looking around thinking, oh, we might not have to play Milwaukee at full strength in that next round, right? And then we may get to the Eastern Finals, and Embiid may not be playing. If they, or you know, I mean, it's a, you never know. I mean, so it, there's some teams in the league now. Miami's got a two-one lead over the Bucks. That that because of these injury situations has flipped a little of these series on their head. It's really a shame though. The Clippers, I thought, were going to give uh, Phoenix a run after those first two games. They're done. And it's 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 going to be fascinating to see if anyone in Sacramento can pick up the slack for Fox. And I think they're probably out in six, which is really a shame because that's, that's been a super fun series. Yeah, and um, it, it is unfortunate for, you know, Sacramento. But, you know, a lot of people always – we talk about, like, guys, players, and legacies and teams and legacies. They always talk about, well, if this team or player, if they didn't have the injuries, their path to the finals or, you know, to this series would have been a lot different. Um, we look at, you know, a team like Denver that's been pretty much healthy all this year. You mentioned Boston that's been pretty much healthy this year. Does that sort of, you know, like a lot of people attempt to say that it puts an asterisk on their title run if they win the title? Does that 
count towards you guys in which if their path of difficulty to the playoffs, if this is unfortunately banged up by injuries or they played a team that was ridiculed by injuries, does that affect you guys? I mean, uh, uh, legacy on that team winning the title. Does that affect you, Matt? No, I mean, like, it's case by case. I don't know. Like, I think the, that it, it should be remembered that Katie and Clay went out when the Raptors won that title, because like, if you were a guy who like went into, into a coma the year before, and then you came out and you were like, wow, Kawhi took on KD and the full Warriors and won the title. You'd have to be like, no, actually, those guys were all injured. <laughs> and like, it, it, you have to like tell the full story, I feel like. But in some, ta- in some cases, yes, some cases, no. Like, newsflash, everybody's banged up, by the way. And like, I wasn't trying to say that Boston is, is been without injuries, they've had them, but they've been able to withstand them. And, and now their guys, when it matters most, even though they have excuses and like could like if, if Kawhi Leonard had a cut on his hand, like Jalen Brown does, I don't think he would play. And if he had the back problems and the lower body problems that Robert Williams has had, I don't think he would play either. Like it, it so you have to be rewarded for like playing through some adversity and like some injury. And, and I don't know. I, well, I, yeah, I but like, even worse with Kawhi, apparently he's not very communicative with his trainers and the coach and his team. I mean, it, it was like a surprise that he wasn't going to play in game three. That's inexcusable. Yeah. You can't, you know, it, it's a much bigger world, Kawhi, than yourself. And you're impacting an organization that really wants to do good things. And so I, I'm, I'm tired of him, too. I, I like the Jalen Brown story because it shows that he that he cares. Yeah. Uh, and then I just want to mention this, though. Like, we, we as fans, we want to see all of them play. Sometimes we used to be like, okay, well, he, he got a sprain knee. He should be able to play through it. And a lot of these guys – they play years and years in the league, and they build up on injuries. I don't know if you guys have seen Dirk Nowitzki as of late, but the way that he walks, it really does look painful. And he talked about basically that last year going into the season, playing with Luka Doncic. He was, like, contemplating on retiring because, you know, he, he it would have saved he – said, he said it would have saved his knees. And basically now he says that he's not even able, you know, to go running with his kids. He's still in his early 40s. He's not able to run or, or play. So I, I'm, I'm wondering now, like, it, it, is it like it's life outside of basketball, outside the NBA? Are you guys feeling that with, with a lot of the players? I, I mean, I think it's hard to say that, like, anybody's going to – I don't think Kawhi is going to, like, have – like trouble running and stuff like that. I but like how I I have no idea. I'm, I'm not a doctor by any means. But like yeah, Dirk was old. He's much taller. Also, like he's a seven footer. That is generally the case for most guys that big. Like they're gonna have struggles and, and problems with it. Like after basketball. But yeah, Dirk Dirk looks like the ten man walking around sometimes, and that's probably why he lives here now. He doesn't want to get on that flight all the way to Germany, man. <laughs> that that's one would really hurt your knees. Just flying all the way across the ocean to go back to Germany. So I don't blame him on that one. Yeah, I, I have a feeling, Xavier, all the geriatric questions that are directed on the show. I, I'll tell you this, you know, I, I'll be 50 uh, next month and my knees are killing me and my, my ankles hurt all the time. And all I played was basically, you know, intramural ball in college. I don't have a whole lot of sympathy, uh, you know, for some of these guys. You know, Dirk Nowitzki has got a lot more zeros in that bank account than I do. And, uh, he, you know, we're all going to get old eventually, is I guess my point. And you ask, look, you ask most NFL players, they wouldn't regret the fact that, you know, like, they can't walk at 40 because they played the NFL in their 20s. It's just kind of part – I mean, it, it's, it's part of the risk of being a pro athlete. They all know it when they go into it. And uh, you have seen, though, guys get out earlier, right, NFL players retiring earlier, so it, other sports as well. I don't have a whole lot of sympathy for that. The CTE issue is different when they have, you know, issues with their memory and, and, and their brain function, that's, that's tragic. But in general, like, I don't have a lot of sympathy for Dirk Nowitzki, who's like celebrated, you know, up and down in the history of the NBA and they love him in Dallas. He has a ring and a pretty, pretty great life. He's going to be my age one day. Like, I, I wouldn't mind swapping with him. Yeah, I understand. Um, okay. And by the way, one last point that they, everyone's always like, don't you want to be able to play with your kids? Let me tell you something. My, my, my two kids are annoying half the time. So it's like everyone's like, you just want to play with your kids when you get old. Oh my God, half the time I want them to let me alone. Uh, (laughs) I thought you were gonna say money, money, them having money is better than than not. But uh, yeah, that (laughs) your kids are annoying. That's that's a great take. 
there, Dave. Love them. Okay, now we're going to head to our final take, and we're going to just discuss hot takes going around the league. Dave, I find this this is going to be pretty interesting for you. I know you had your thoughts about Dylan Brooks. So what are your hot takes at the moment? Okay, I got two hot takes today, guys, and I just love this segment. My first hot take is it's going to be a very interesting next 12 months, not just for the roster, but for Taylor Jenkins. NBA coaches don't last a long time. We just saw what happened in Toronto with Nick Nurse. You know, it wasn't that long ago, guys. Uh, it was, you know, pretty much widely accepted what a great head coach he was, and the Raptors had a pretty good thing going up there, and now he's unemployed. You know, I think if we're out in the first round of the Lakers this year and we don't have a solid season next year, I think it's going to be Jenkins' last year with the team. And he'll always be working. He'll find another job. He's a good human being, a good man, you know, everything you hear about him, and and, and a pretty solid coach. But I don't think he's going to be our head coach for seven, eight, nine years. I think eventually we have to start winning at a higher level. It just happens in the NBA. I'm shocked that Nick Nurse was fired, but I'm not shocked he was fired, if that makes sense. Uh, the NBA, they, you know, the, the, the NBA star is more important than the coach in many cases. Okay, that's my one. So it's very interesting next 12 months for Taylor Jenkins. Here's my take. I want, I'm really interested to hear what you guys have to say about this. Um, so, Matt, you got a little heat when you didn't like the jaw colorways and, and the jaw ones, and you said they were super mid. And like, I got to tell you, that is the worst basketball commercial I have ever seen, where they show him, like, pulling up in the car at night, and it's like, Ja just like shooting in the gym with himself. There's like three John Morants. And it's like, there's like no energy to the commercial. I don't even understand it. Like the security cameras watching the car every night. Like I'm telling you, my take is I don't think there's going to be a jaw too. I I think the team is not nearly as lovable and commercially appealing as they were a year ago. I don't think Jaws is commercially as appealing as he was a year ago. He's got this counter suit going now against, you know, Nike doesn't want like, Hey, there's our spokesperson and all these lawsuits are going on. I'm, I'm concerned. I, I, it it would have been fun to think like, Oh my God, we have this star with this great shoe and this great commercial and this great team. And seems to be cracking a bit or no matter how good he is on the court, there's some things off the court. He's not a commercial dream right now. And I got, I'm interested in your thoughts guys on that commercial. I think it's awful. I, I will say that that the commercial didn't make any sense to me as well. Um, you know, I look at previous, you know, shoe commercials. You got the LeBron James jumping into the swimming pool. And, you know, they had me ready for summer. And then even go back into like the 90s of, uh, you know, Penny Hardaway. He had Chris Rock with Lil Penny and whatnot. And it was at one point I had saw like a picture of which John Morant had like a little figure with, he had a towel, like it was a Nike towel and it had a little figure and everybody was speculating, okay, like, is he going to have like a little companion with him or whatnot? But it, it is sort of interesting. I feel like they just had to throw some type of commercial out due to the fact you had the job ones coming. And you, I think they, they basically, they possibly filmed it after with all everything that happened and it's you know it's just like okay let's just get us a commercial out here we, we just, <laughs> you just shoot shots you just shoot shots and and Xavier, the commercial doesn't me. highlight anything about john Morant that people like i mean what they like about him is his explosiveness and his athleticism yeah. and his 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 artistry and, and the way he looks is so cool for like today's youth and like they show him like these bland hoodies with like bad lighting shooting threes it's like what what it, who was the ad wizard at nike that came up with it's awful it, it's but I don't terrible. I don't think this is going to be his last shoot up because I, if you look and see like how many colorways is coming out for the job ones, then Nike doesn't put that much investment behind that for somebody that's just going to be there for one shoot. I, I would say that, that though, but as far as that that debut commercial though, I didn't I didn't like it either. What are you feeling, Matt? Well. Um... He's definitely going to have another shoe. They've made too much of an investment in him, but I'm glad you guys are starting to see the light that Nike completely have has has fumbled the bag on this entire thing and this collaborative effort that, that should have been, as Dave said, showing off one of the young, electric, you know, gym-packing superstars that we have in the entire league and the shoe and the rollout and the commercial and all of it does not reflect that at all. They have done a terrible job. They have done him a disservice, in my opinion, 
by how bad they have done about this. There's one good colorway that I'll give you, and that's the reverse scratch. I like that one. The rest of them are terrible, and everybody putting on Twitter, uh, you know, oh, I got mine. I got the day ones. Look at this. That colorway sucks, and everybody hey, – go ahead. I was going to say they sold out, though. Like, it sold out on sneakers immediately, so – that, that's fine. People but people like stuff that I don't like sometimes, and that's fine. I'm not saying that anybody – that I'm right by saying this. I'm just saying, personally, the shoe does not appeal to me. And I think that outside the city of Memphis, it doesn't appeal to other people as well. And, and I think that kind of speaks to your point, Dave, that, like, now they've missed out on the opportunity to make him this national superstar. And now it really is dependent on how well his stuff does in Memphis, in my opinion. And And – Everything sells out on the sneakers app anyway because there is such a, a crazy resale market for all of these things. So, like, that isn't necessarily even a good indicator to me, in my opinion. But, like, people clearly love it. And it's good because it, it does give people the opportunity to show Jaw support. And, like, I still think, like, he is somebody worthy of our support. He is a representative of the city of Memphis. He's an awesome basketball player. I just don't personally like the shoe or the ad campaign. That's all. I will say this though about your that take that you did have about Taylor Jenkins. We look at he comes under the Mike Budenholzer tree. I feel like the Mike Budenholzer tree of those coaches they have so much in common of great regular season success, but they cannot take you above the top four championship. If you look at Mike Budenholzer before he won that championship in 2021, he his 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 job was on the hot seat. Him winning that championship really saved his legacy as being that coach over there in Milwaukee because he was going to be out that door if Kevin Durant made that three-point shot. <laughs> so I don't. I will say this about Taylor Jenkins. He does, as much as he does a great coaching job in a regular season, it is sometimes you do need a different coaching change to make that to take that team above the top. Uh, we look at, I mean, at the Lakers back in 99, to the 2000 season when they got rid of Dale Harris and put Phil Jackson in. And that they didn't change the team at all that much. They just put the coach in and the coach gave them a success and they won the championship. But uh, Matt, you can go ahead and go with your uh, hot takes that you have. Yeah, my bad. I got so fired up on the shoes. I forgot to even talk about the coach thing. Uh, I'm with you, Dave. Like he, he definitely like should feel in jeopardy. I just don't know who's better. Like who is out there. I love Nick Nurse and he has a ring. And like, I, I think he is a better coach. He's an awesome defensive coach, which, like, this team has clearly hung its hat on for a long time. Uh, but it can't be, like, any of these young guys. Like, this is a team who not only needs maturity in terms of new teammates, but also as a co from a coaching perspective. Like, it's going to have to be somebody that's well-respected, and, like, guys like that just generally aren't going to leave their jobs. Like, what are they they're going to get Steve Kerr? I don't, like, I don't think so. <laughs> like, it's, it's a I, hard – I like Rick Carlisle, but I, I guess he's okay in Indiana. I, I always thought he was pretty good. But, but, but yeah, he's a good point. Yeah, no, I, just my, my, my thought anytime that – I'm with you. Like, I, I think that he – that that is a possibility. But, like, it, my question always in those opportunities is who, who are you getting that's better? People – Tennessee basketball fans – say the same thing about Rick Barnes all the time because he can't win in March. And I'm like, yeah, but who else is out there that's going to be any better? Are we going to get Rick Pitino? Because, like, I'm fine with that, but I don't think that's what's going to happen. <laughs> Anyways, uh, just one hot take for me today. Um, the New York Knicks are the 2021 Atlanta Hawks. They're awesome. I love that team. I told you guys, when we did our list of teams that we watch on League Pass, I mentioned the Knicks, and you both were like, gross because it is gross sometimes <laughs> they are not that aesthetically pleasing they play a lot of bully ball it's a physical brand of basketball but they're really showing everybody across the country that they're a really good basketball team they have an awesome home court advantage they had a good road record throughout the season and that's why like it didn't really make a ton of sense that the Cavs were so heavily favored in this series they don't have better depth uh they're a much younger team who's just been thrown together with the superstar and they are the 2021 uh, Atlanta Hawks, excuse me, because they're going to make it to the Eastern Conference Finals, I believe. And they're going to lose. And then in two or three years, we're going to look back and be like, oh, yeah, that doesn't that wasn't representative of who they are. This is a really fun team, a really good team. I think they're going to have a really good postseason run. And if Giannis is not going to be, you know, 100 percent of himself, like I think New York can come out of that side of that bracket in the East. 
but they're not going to go to the finals. They're not going to win a championship because your top two guys can't be Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle and you win a championship, but it could get you to the Eastern Conference Finals. And I go back to what we talked about last week. Just they clearly hit it out of the park, bringing in Jalen Brunson. Uh, he's been incredible for them. And they haven't even got one good Julius Randle game yet. Uh, he's he's not been that awesome in this series. So if, if he shows up in round two, I, I see them going to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, and, and I'll be rooting for them on that side of the bracket. I, th- I think they're a fun team to come out of the East um, and, and move through. Yeah, the Knicks has just been, like, very physical and overwhelming. Just like, It just reminds me of watching the highlights from the Knicks in the 90s. Of you just have guys that's just really ready to risk it all and, and winning. Um, Josh Hart is just such a competitor, bro. Yeah, like you, awesome. you, just want, you just want guys like him that's just willing to give it all on his court. He sprung his, then he sprained his ankle game one. And here he is still on the court, uh, still playing. And, I mean, he told Tom Thibodeau, he told Tom Thibodeau sort of the wrong name, thing. He said, uh, you can play me the whole game. You know, Tom Thibodeau, he bound to do that, <laughs> to play yeah, somebody yeah. the whole entire game. So, hey, that's a good, That's a great Dylan Brooks replacement, too, by the way, Josh Hart. Would not mind having that guy in Memphis. Yeah. You know, the playoffs also have some excellent home crowds, not just in New York, but it's fun for Sacramento, for their fans. It's fun for Memphis. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. Grizzlies have great fans, right? I mean, the, the Celtics, the, the the Sixers, really good basketball watching on TV to see the, the excitement of the crowds. Uh, the playoff games haven't been great, but the, the 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 crowds and the cities involved are fun. Yeah. All right, I got one hot take, and this is this is going to be pretty funny. Anthony Edwards is forcing Cara Anthony Towns to play basketball, man. So if you watched that game last night, Anthony Edwards did drop off a dagger game winner. Uh, three, but Carl Anthony Towns, he's been basically. I know he's coming off an injury, a cap injury, he missed a bunch of games. Um, but he, he's sort of been like non effective in the series against Denver. That Denver is doing a good job playing defense on him, but it's overtime and he fouls out, and it's just like a stupid foul. And he walks to the bench, he's sort of like, Oh man, but he's like smiling though. It's like. I think he's ready to go to Cancun. You know, he got he dates Jordan Woods. I think he got in his mind like, okay, we're down 3-0. We about to blow this game in OT. Because they had a reasonable lead, like, going to the last five minutes. They had, like, a 10-plus lead, 10-point-plus lead. And they fumble it, and here they go in OT. And I'm sort of expecting, okay, Denver just going to go in and, and get rid of them. Anthony and Edwards been saying, like, Man, this is a seven-game series. It's not the best of three. He's like, it's not over yet. I, I think, <laughs> I think Carl Anthony Towns fouled out due to the fact he was like, man, I'm ready to get this series over with. <laughs> I'm ready to take my vacation. I understand, like he's not 100. percent He's ready to get 100. percent But Carl Anthony Towns, like, he really had his mind checked out of, okay, the series is over with. I'm ready to go home. <laughs> And you think you to, think Mrs. Towns had the rental car outside the arena, like bags packed? That's what that's what I was thinking. I'm thinking like <laughs> it's no way that you foul out in this. If you watch that foul that he did to Jokic, it was like it was no need for you to foul. So it's mm-hmm. sort of like I'm hinting in my head. I'm like, and then he walks to the bench. He's like, ah, oh, but he's he's smirking. I'm thinking like this man really fouled out so he can they can lose the game and hopefully because. Like I said, he, he dates Jordan Woods. If you don't know, Jordan Woods, you know, is a big Instagram model. So I'm pretty sure immediately as they lose, they're going to go to an island, tropical island, and they're going to be posting pictures and whatnot on Instagram. So uh, that's that's my hot take. It's sort of a conspiracy, but at the same time, yeah, yeah, Anthony Edwards is most definitely forcing Carl Anthony Towns to keep playing basketball right now. He's been he, – there were a couple moments uh, Edwards just looks breathtaking. For was he – is he 21 years old? Yeah, he's just still only 21 years old. He's a killer. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's – and, like, the competitiveness of him to – like he was saying in the postgame stuff, like, I'm never going to get swept in my career. Like, stuff like that means something to him. That's the kind of guy that I want on my team. And that's, like yeah. – that's why they need to invest in that dude and nobody else. He, he's a killer. Yeah, I mean – <laughs> if you watch those games, Anthony Edwards does not pass the ball to Rudy Gobert. <laughs> and I think it's just like, man, I think he's sort of frustrated that they traded all of those their pieces for, for Rudy Gobert. And, you know, they're basically better without Rudy Gobert. But 
Anthony Edward, Edwards definitely does have that killing mentality, and I, and I enjoy watching him play. And that wraps up today's episode of the Core 4 Podcast. We appreciate everybody listening and tuning in for today's episode. Be sure to go ahead and follow us on all social media. Um, on You can find us at Twitter at the Core 4 Podcast. And be sure to follow Bluff City Media for all Grizzly other media news and takes. Okay, Matt, go ahead and tune the people in for your socials. Yeah, at Matt H. Gill. Uh, follow me on Twitter. Appreciate it. Uh, Dave, you can tell the people where they can follow you on Twitter. Yeah, just Twitter at DLB1933.8. And, and guys, before we sign off today, uh, let, let's let's pick the game tonight since we're recording before the game. Uh, who, who do you got tonight, Xavier? I got us I got us winning tonight. I got us winning at least by five points. Oh, wow, okay. How about you, Matt? Not so confident. I think it's uh, 3-1 Lakers when we wake up in the morning, boys. Yeah, I, I think this is the 114-112 heartbreaker where we're going to play better tonight, right? I mean, it, it, it can't be worse, but I think we're going to play a much, much better game and, and it's going to be some late game execution problems. And we've had those issues most of the season, some late game stuff. And I, I think it's going to be 3-1 going back to Memphis. It, it feels a little like the Warriors series, like we're going to win game five and then go back to L.A. for game six. And, and that might be it. Well, I, I guess I'm the last man standing feeling optimistic about that. So I feel, hopefully I'll come back Monday and be like, I told you guys that we're yeah. going to win game four. But, yeah, you can follow me on um, Twitter at Zaytime Takes as well. You can follow me on uh, TikTok underscore XZAY. But, yeah, appreciate you guys tuning in. Y'all have a great day. Stolen by Marin. Hammer. Nail. Baby is over.